As you turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and 11, I want to say thank you to each of our guests for being with us in service tonight. Amen. What a privilege and distinct honor it is to have you with us. And no doubt you might be scratching your head wondering what kind of church is this. We actually have a song that tells you maybe we should sing it. <laughs> We're an apostolic church. We're a Pentecostal church, amen, and that just means that we believe in the apostles' doctrine and we act like they did on the day of Pentecost, amen. We believe the word of God and take it literally, amen, and apply it to our lives, amen, to the best of our ability through God's grace, amen, want to please God, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse... 11 is our text tonight. And then just one verse of scripture. It says, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you on this subject, a second wind. Amen. Let's lay down our Bibles and ask the Lord to help us open our hearts, open our minds, to receive from him what he would say to us tonight. Come on, church. Let's talk to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to be in your house tonight. I ask for your anointing, God, upon my mouth, upon my mind. Pray that you would touch every heart and mind in this service. Help us to receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save us. It's able to help us. It's able to change us. Lord, I believe your word. Hallelujah. I want to, Lord, I want to please you tonight. Have your way, Jesus. I love you, Savior. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Amen. A second wind. And I was meaning to say this earlier, but Brother Jerome, we got one more day. One more day. He's been telling me for the past few months that, uh, He'd give me the countdown. And he'd, 57 days, Brother Hilton. 36 days, Brother Hilton. And so I beat you to the punch tonight. So one more day. Tomorrow morning, young people, 6 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary. We're going to start with prayer. 6.30, we'll be loading up. 7 o'clock, we'll be leaving. And uh, looking forward to each of you joining us. Thank you, parents, for allowing these young people to make such a big trip. I mean, no doubt for them, it's a big deal. And uh, traveling 600 miles is no small thing <laughs> away from your family. And so, but I'm looking forward to it. It's been such a uh, huge, Heritage Conference had such a huge impact on my life. So thank you, parents. Thank you, each of parents that are allowing the young people to come. It's going to be a great time. Amen. Thank you for your sacrificial giving. Young people, you ought to thank your parents. I know that you're going to enjoy yourself when you get out there. Amen. Amen. So tonight I want to talk to you on this subject a second when many distance runners and marathoners and others who enjoy that long, um, long-term exercise have observed a phenomenon known or described as the second wind. After a prolonged period of time, they enter into a state of physical and mental fatigue. In this condition, their mind is looking for excuses, reasons, Whatever they could get to uh, stop running or stop exercising or whatever. I mean, no doubt 
those of you who have attempted exercises, uh, myself included, I mean, have, have, can relate to what I'm describing right now, finding whatever excuse available in your mind to stop doing what you're doing. Amen. And the reasons are generally legitimate reasons. Um, if your physical stamina doesn't match the stress that you're placing on your body, it's possible that you could pass out or experience um, other injuries as a result. If you don't listen to that, uh, those excuses or, or if you don't stop. However, for some, if they are able to persevere through this, through this period of fatigue and weariness, they arrive at this... Um, they experience this different kind of experience, and um, others and folks have referred to it as the second wind. There are several ideas or um, thoughts around how this has happened, and to try to explain what this is. And some link the experience to the release of pain and stress relieving endorphins um, from your brain, and another. Uh, another is that heavy breathing during exercise provides cooling in your body. And so, um, and as you're breathing heavily, um, over a period of time, your body realizes what's going on. So your pores and, and your veins dilate and they begin to uh, in, uh, bring in more oxygen themselves and don't require such laborious breathing. And so then your oxygen is... Um, equalized, it, it, and the amount of oxygen that your muscles are acquiring um, are supplied, and and once you reach, so this is just another I, another um, people much smarter than me have come up with as a as a reason to explain how you get to this this um, feeling of of I can go further, I can go longer. I've been doing this for an extended period of time, but now there's something about my my mental. Uh, my mental place or my physical ability, and I feel like I can go this much further. I can just keep on going, and and uh, and and it's and some contribute it to the fact that that your body has just realized that you're going on and you're going on. You're just planning on going on, and so it it adjusts and supplies the necessary oxygen, and and so and so you get a second wind. There's a perfect balance of oxygen supply and consumption. When the body properly regulates respiration to meet the long-term demands of a steady state exercise, muscles begin operating more efficiently. Breathing evens out and fatigue is replaced with energy. This only happens when an individual has pushed themselves until their body is forced to balance out the amount of oxygen it is requiring by increasing the amount of oxygen or reducing the need. And I want to relate that, that mental fatigue, that physical fatigue to spiritual fatigue. Apostle Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, that this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous just means hard times, difficult times, struggling times. There are going to be days where it's just going to be hard. It's going to require an extended period of effort. Verse 2 goes on and says, For men shall be lovers of, them, of their own selves. He's describing these hard times. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, 
unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. How many feel like Paul was describing the days that we're living in today? Amen. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Apostle Paul is warning Timothy, telling him that there's coming a time where it's going to be hard for the people of God to live for God. Amen. Hallelujah. Jude, uh, verse 4, amen. Apostle, Paul, Apostle Jude seems to agree with Apostle Paul's assessment of, of what would come. Verse 4 goes on. Uh, goes on to say, verse 4 of Jude chapter 1, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, it, it just appears to me that we are living in those times that were described by Apostle Paul, that were described by, that were described by Jude. And uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Apostle Paul, again writing to the Colossian church, um, says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Amen. It can get very fatiguing with all the different ideas and all the different concepts that are introduced from worldly ideas, worldly philosophies that, that come in from outside and and no doubt many of you who are sitting here listening to this young preacher tonight know exactly what I'm talking about can relate to what I'm saying those things that perhaps provided confusion in your mind that caused questions to arise in your heart and in your mind about the word of God about living for God about whether or not God is there about whether or not you can live for God about whether or not you can please God but I'm here to tell you tonight that God sent a second wind for those of us who may or may not be fatigued by those various influences amen Hallelujah. Apostle Paul said that he himself experienced this fatigue that I'm describing. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 25 through 26 said, Thrice I was, was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen in perils in the city, in perils and perils. And man, this guy was having a rough time. He was going through it. He was no doubt weary, Brother Glenn. I'm sure that there were days that Apostle Paul woke up and said, Man, do I have to go through this again? Do I have to deal with this again? Amen. But he, he said in verse 27, in weariness and painfulness to in watchings often. In hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. This man was bearing a heavy, heavy, heavy load. Amen. But he testified in one of his final epistles to the church in Corinth. He told him in 1 Corinthians chapter 
9, verses 24 through 27. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Amen. He's willing, amen, to pace himself. He's willing, amen, to, to set a steady rate. Amen. He's not trying, amen, to exert himself overly so because he knows. The one that's striving for the mastering knows that if he gives it all that he's got, that he's not going to have any left over at the end. Amen. So the one that's mastering is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a what he describes as a corruptible crown, a crown that that is is temporary, that would that would corrode with the with the elements of this earth. But we are striving for an incorruptible crown, for a crown, amen, that nobody can take away from us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, those men who, amen, exercise day in and day out, amen, so that they can arrive at the Super Bowl, amen, they realize that after that year is won, amen, the crown that they receive, the reward that they receive, the, the, uh, the trophies and the, and the audience that they receive is gone by this time next year. Amen. But our trophy, amen, our crown is incorruptible. Amen. It's not given to us uh, at the cost of another man. Uh, amen. But it's given to us by an eternal Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Who bought that trophy with his own blood. Oh, somebody hear me tonight. I want to tell you that there's something worth striving for. There's something worth working for. There's something worth obtaining the mastery over. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you have failed and failed and failed and tried, amen, through your own might and through your own power, Amen. To overcome, I want to tell you that you don't have to do it on your own. This mastery can be obtained through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've come tonight to preach, uh, amen, to this church, uh, amen, that you need a second wind. You need another breath. Uh, amen. You need to regulate, uh, amen, the amount of oxygen that you're supplying, amen, to this body. You need, uh, amen, to get into the altar. Let the Holy Ghost fill you up all over again. Hallelujah. Amen. A visiting friend of mine. Amen. If you're striving, amen, you feel like you keep coming short, let me tell you, amen, that that old breath that you're dealing with, amen, is not strong enough. What you need is the breath of the Holy Ghost. What you need is God to breathe on you. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul goes on to describe in verse 26, I therefore, because I want to obtain this incorruptible crown. Therefore, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, so run. I'm going to run. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm running. It's not as uncertainly. I know what my destination is. I know where I'm going. Amen. And shameless plug, if you want to hear uh, something about uncertain or untowardness. Amen. You can listen to our latest podcast. I don't remember which episode we're on. It's either 50, 154 or 155, but, but it's a good one. So download it. Face the truth. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. We don't have it on YouTube, but you can find other good stuff on YouTube on our church channel, so God bless you. Amen. <coughs> Catching my breath here. 
And then Apostle Paul said, I'm running. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get to my destination. Amen. Not as uncertainly so fight I. Not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just swinging. I'm not just exerting my effort. Amen. But I am doing this with a purpose. Verse 27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself, Jared Hilton, I could become a castaway. If Paul could be a castaway, I could become a castaway. You could become a castaway. I mean, your efforts could be vain. Your efforts could be uh, worthless. But let me tell you, if you, amen, do exactly what Apostle Paul is describing here. Obtain the mastery for the incorruptible crown. Run certainly, not uncertainly, but certainly with a cause, with a direction, with, with instruction through God's word. You won't become such a castaway. Amen. Paul, being real with himself, said, even I could come in last. If I don't find this steady pace, if I don't temperate myself, if I don't, if I don't pace myself, if I don't run certainly, if I don't set the pace, then I could become last. I could become a castaway. I don't know how he did it. I, I don't know when it was, but Paul, somewhere in his striving, somewhere in his efforts, he found, amen, this second win. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought a good fight. Fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I'm done running. I have kept the faith. There is, henceforth, there is laid up for me this incorruptible crown. Amen. A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, the one, the only one to who, uh, the only one that can give such a crown, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, not to me only, but everybody at the true church, uh, under the sound of my voice, uh, if they love his appearing, that incorruptible crown is available to you tonight. Friend, let's get the balance right. Let's set the pace. Amen. Let's just run with patience. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. I mean, we've got to throw off the weights. It's not training time anymore. Amen. It's not, we're not building. This is the real deal. This is the real race. The, the things that you do now have consequences. The decisions you make tonight have consequences. Amen. And my suggestion for you is to throw off the weights that does so easily beset us. These things that weigh us down. Amen. Struggles and, and distractions and, and things that once before perhaps uh, may have given us value. Amen. But now we're in the race. 
Now we're trying to strive, amen, for the mastery. We're trying to obtain this crown that I'm talking about tonight. We've got to win. We've got to make the distance. Lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. Let's run with patience. Amen. If you look ahead, amen, I I love this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Because it talks, it really draws the whole church family together. From the days of Jesus and the apostles to us today. Amen. We're all running in the same race. Amen. This is not a quick deal. This is not a sprint. This is not a 100-yard dash. This is a long marathon run. This is going to take time, Sister Michaela. It's going to take effort. It's going to take practice, but it's going to take direction and instruction. And the great thing is that we're compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. We don't have to sit here and guess uh, where our direction is. We can see where the apostles went. We can see, uh, amen, where our pastor and Sister Regan are, are leading. We can see their footprints in front of us. As long as we're tracking, amen, as long as you follow the word, as long as you let the spirit of truth lead and guide you, amen, you're not sitting there wondering if, if where we're going, amen, we're not wondering where we're going, amen, it's, we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, and as us, young people, as we grow, and as we are setting our pace, and we're setting the rate, and we're setting direction, There are those coming up behind us that are looking for how fast should I be running? How what what is the proper rate? What's the correct direction? How are we how are we doing this? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Run with certainty. Run patiently. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6 and 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, hallelujah, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 13 says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep coming to church. Keep being faithful to God. Amen. Keep praying. Keep asking Him for direction. Keep reading His Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 27 and 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37 and 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall keep thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil. But wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. Amen. We're almost getting to where... We're trying to go. I mean, this is all introduction, so bear with me just for one more scripture. Prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How? How? How can they run without growing weary? How can they Walk the walk and never grow faint. I can tell you 
How? Amen. It's because of the power of the Holy Ghost, through the wind of God, through the power of God. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says he will give us power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon us. He's going to give us strength. He's going to give us the ability to run this race. Amen. He didn't leave us without hope. He told us to, amen, defend, amen, what was given to us. In Jude chapter 1, verse 3, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. He's talking specifically about salvation. He says, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. This phrase that is translated as that ye should earnestly contend is a single compound Greek word. The root from which we get our word agonize. In other words, we should strive. We should fight. We should labor fervently against spiritual, uh, against, uh, we should strive. Strive. We should fight, labor fervently. And the second word means to uh, means against. So what 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 the uh, writer was telling us was that we should earnestly, we should strive against those who would try to take the faith from us. There is a truth. There is a direction. Amen. That we should run. Ephesians chapter six and twelve says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood." We're not racing against the quicker one on the pew. Brothers Ander and Brother Cooper, it's not a race who can go out of the sanctuary the fastest or who could run across the field the fastest, who can carry the football to the touchdown the fastest. That's not the kind of race that we're talking about. This is not how we're, we're not talking about wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not a human competition, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I, I don't want to surprise anybody, and I don't think I will. This is, uh, I'm saying this sarcastically. I don't want to surprise anybody, amen, but the devil is not interested in your success. He is not looking to help you get over the finish line. He wants to see you fail. Amen. He wants to see you fall flat on your face. Amen. He wants you to give up. He wants you to say, well, this living for God stuff is, is too hard. It's not really for me. I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. I can't, I can't go the distance. Those are, it's, Brother Goff will make it. He's got, he's, he's, he's cut out of the right material. He's got the right, he's been in church all his life. He's got the right makings, but for me, I'm, I'm just different. I don't have that kind of a background. And I'm here to tell you that those kind of excuses may seem reasonable. They may seem like they make sense and they connect but I'm here to tell you that just like you, Brother Goff needs the wind of the Holy Ghost. 
He needs that extra breath, that extra, that extra strength, that extra grace. You know how I know? Because I need it. Amen. I've been in church all my life. I've been living for God all my life. But there are days when I just get weary. Amen. There are times that I just get tired. Amen. And, and it just takes, amen, just a few moments. Amen. Going back on to the racetrack. Say, God, I'm not giving up. I'm going to go, amen, and I find myself in a prayer meeting, and I'm seeking God, and he breathes, amen, that breath of life back into me, amen, and I get that second wind, amen, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're not warring after the flesh. This is not, amen, a competition between myself and Brother Goff, amen. He's going to strive perhaps, amen, at a different rate than I will, but we all have the same destination. We're all going to the same place, amen. Our goal, amen, is the finish line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Weapons of our warfare. First, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, through God. You can't do it on your own. You can't use your own strength. But you need God to help you pull down strongholds. You need God to help you run this race. Casting down imaginations. Casting down those second thoughts. Those, those questions. Those ideas of saying, I'm not qualified. I'm not worthy. I can't run this far. I can't go that far. Cast down those imaginations. Every high thing that exalted itself against what you know about God. The knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled when you have obeyed, when you have received that second wind, when you have received, amen, the Holy Ghost, then, then is when the real race begins. Then is when you ought to, amen, set your feet on the track and just start picking them up and putting them down. That's when, amen, that's when, when you've revenged all disobedience and when you have obeyed His Word. Amen, that's when, amen, that's when the fight and that's when the power of God is really needed. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 through 13. Put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For, ye, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want you to notice this last part of verse 13. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. It's important that we take on the whole armor. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day today. Having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. Verse 14 goes on to say, stand therefore. The word therefore indicates that this follows from something else before. In other words, it's saying that you should stand because you've already been standing. That's the whole purpose. And, and, and let me just swap out the word here. Rather than say stand, you should run because you've already been running. Amen. What is 
Amen. The least, oh, what is, it's, it's, it's a waste of time to get out and begin to run. Amen. Let's say we choose to start exercising, start jogging on a day-to-day basis. Amen. What greater waste of time than for you to begin doing that, and I'm guilty, praise the Lord. Amen. Begin that exercise. Amen. You go for about a week, and then you stop. You just stop. And when you stop, all the gains that you have gained from the previous week are no longer there because you've fallen back into the old pattern. You've fallen back into the old. And everything that you've gained, you've lost. So now you've wasted every hour, every minute that you spent exercising in the previous week. And I think that is the mentality or the sentiment that which, to which uh, Apostle Paul is trying to convey to the Ephesians. He's trying to tell them, listen, just stand. You've already been standing. Just continue to stand. Continue running the race because you've already started. You're already on the right track. Don't stop now. And he goes on to say, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and goes on to describe the rest of the whole armor of God. And it doesn't matter how long or how hard it gets. I'm going to keep running. I don't know, it doesn't matter to me how long, Sister Goff, I have to keep running. If it's the rest of my life, I liked how Pastor said, I'm, go- I'm going to believe it until I go to my grave. Hallelujah. Anybody feel that way? You going to keep running? Are you going to keep, keep moving forward? Amen. I can, amen. It's time for the truth, church. It's time for this truth. Let me, let me take a moment and preach to the church if, if pastor's okay with it. Amen. That we, amen, looking at what God has promised us this year. I loved the songs that we were singing tonight because they were a memorial. Amen. They were singing about the things that God is promising us. And this year, this is the year of promises. Amen. You ought to stand up because we've already been standing. You ought to run with faith. Amen. Because you've already been running. Hey, don't throw it away. Amen. Don't let it go to waste. Amen. You've already put in the effort. Let's keep on going. Hallelujah. James 5 and 16. Amen. Says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It doesn't matter. This is just a statement of fact. If you're running, you're going to cover ground. I mean, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you're, if you're exercising, you're going to improve your strength. You're going to gain muscle. You're going to improve your physical well-being. If you, I mean, if you pray, it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Don't stop praying. Don't stop coming to church. If you come to church, amen, you're going to get somewhere. If you read the Bible, God's going to talk to you. These are just statements of fact. It's a matter of fact. You commit yourself to him. Hallelujah. 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 He will reward us. Amen. You want to do something in the kingdom of God. Amen. Look to somebody else who's been doing it a while. Amen. It's a good way to learn. 
Find somebody who knows how to pray and, and get shoulder to shoulder with them and, and learn how to pray. Amen. You want to learn what it feels like. Amen. To sacrifice a little bit and fast and give to God some sacrifice. Just find somebody and say, hey, will you go on a fast with me? Show me how it works because I want to consecrate. I see the benefits of these exercises. I see the gains that I'm receiving. And I don't want to stop. I, I want to keep going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find somebody to help you. We are compassed about with so many a great cloud of witnesses. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Kings. I'm, I'm getting close to being finished here. But Second Kings chapter 2. Little portion of reading. Amen. Chapter 2 verses 9 through 15. Tells us about a man who found one who would show him. Eli, Elisha and Elijah, and it came to pass, verse 9, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. Elisha had been working for Elijah, amen, as his personal assistant, as you, if you will. And he's been right with Elijah every step of the way. Elijah turned around, and, and knowing that his time was was fast approaching that he was it was about time for him to go he told Elisha ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away and Elisha said I pray thee let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me I want a second wind I don't want I appreciate all the things Elijah that you have done but I want a double portion of that I want, to, I want the same things, but I want to go further. I, church, if, if I think that this church has that same desire, same hunger. Amen. That, that we're not, I, I love to read about the stories in the book of Acts and, and how God performs miracles and healing and, and moves directly in the lives of people. Amen. But, but and I'm grateful that those promises are to us today. Amen. But I don't want to, I want a double portion. I want a second wind. Amen. I want it to blow through the true church in the city of Olathe. Amen. Perhaps the next time, Brother Nelson, we're out in Fairview Park. The Holy Ghost just settles down and we see a couple of folks receive the gift of the Holy Ghost right then and there. Hey, church, that's possible. Maybe on the backpack giveaway, amen, they receive more than just a backpack, amen, but somebody starts a Bible study, amen, with somebody in that group. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a second wind. I'm talking about a double portion, amen, it's available to us. Hallelujah. I, Elisha said, I pray thee, let, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. He said, thou hast asked a hard thing. It's going to require some effort. It's going to require something from you, Elisha. You don't get the second wind if you just start running. 
You don't, Brother Kaiser, you want, you want God to use you? You want God to speak through you? You want God to, to use you to help others receive the gift of Let me tell you, it doesn't happen like that. It requires, uh, amen, a diligent uh, and a steady pace. Dad, you're going to prayer. Let me, let me join you today. Let me, let me participate in what you're doing. Let me learn how to read my Bible. Amen. Not just passing time, not just skimming, but I want to understand what's in the Word of God. I want to receive something, Sister Sarah. I don't want to just run right past it. I don't want to sprint by, but I want a patient race. I want to set a patient pace. Hallelujah. Elijah, Elisha, you've asked a hard thing, nevertheless. If thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Amen. When it comes to living for God, amen, the, uh, the conditions are real. You really do have to make a decision. It, this is no wishy-washy thing. You can't be in and be out. You, you've got to make up your mind. Are you on the track or not? Are you running or not? Are you going to cross the finish line or not? And nobody can make that decision for you. The consequences are real. That's a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, shall be so. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass... As they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into the heaven, into heaven. And Elisha saw it. That was the condition. It seems to me that, that Elisha is getting ready. To receive exactly what he asked for. Do you remember the condition? If you saw it, Elisha, if you see me leave, you will receive that double portion. You will receive a second wind. Amen. But, but if you don't, you won't. And so the Bible says that he saw it in verse 12. And you can see the emotion. He goes on, the Bible says he cried, My father, my father, chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, rent them in two pieces, and he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, went back and stood by the bank of Jordan, took the mantle of Elijah and fell from, that fell from Elijah, fell from him, smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. That's exactly what just happened at the, at, at the spoken word of Elijah. When Elijah crossed the river, amen, he had the splitting of the Jordan River, and Elisha received the mantle and said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? I want that same spirit. I want a double portion. And the Bible goes on not just in action to describe that he did see it and he did receive it, 
but in word, in deed. Verse 15, the Bible goes on to say, When the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. It was more than just Elisha that realized it that day. Amen. He received, in fact, he received indeed, amen, the spirit of Elisha. And they came to him, bowed themselves to the ground before him. Amen. This is not the only story in the Old Testament, amen, where the Bible, amen, as a result of these certain conditions, these certain requirements that, 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 that their request was honored. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 37, amen, verses 1 through 10, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Uh, uh, the prophet Ezekiel wrote, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. I want you to think about this. I want you to imagine we're in a valley and all you can see as far as your eyes can see is dry bones. Caused me to pass by them round about, just walking around the valley. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. This seems like a, like a lot. And lo, they were very dry. Ezekiel got right into the valley and he saw them up close. And he walked and just kept walking and kept walking and saw how many, there was so many dry, dry bones. He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy unto these, upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay, now I just want you to think, how can you put breath into dry bones? You, you can't put breath into dry bones, they don't hold breath. So there are some other requirements here. There are sinews and, and, and flesh that needs to come upon those bones. They need, they need strength. They need to stand on their own. And that's exactly what the Bible says happens. It says, Behold, I'll cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Ezekiel, the one who saw these dry bones, said he said to preach it. So I'm just going to preach it. And I'm kind of feeling like Ezekiel right now because I'm sitting here looking at this crowd. I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't find it. But he said, so I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> well, Amen. But you got to think, at one point, these men did breathe. At one point, these dead, dry bones represented real people who were fighting in this valley. 
They, they once swung the sword. They once, amen, fought in this valley. And, and I'm, I'm cheating because I, I know the rest of the story. And at the end, it tells us that it was, a, it was an army. So, so, so uh, I'll give you the little cheat code there too. But so we know that this before they, they had breath. They were breathing. They were living. But at this point, they were dead. At this point, they were disparate. They were all over the place. They, they, they weren't connected. There was no way for them to live until the word of God came. Amen. And so he said, I'm just going to prophesy as I was commanded. Verse 7. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when, and when I beheld... While, while I was, do you remember, I was looking a moment ago, and that was a dry bone. I, I was there. I, I was walking, and I saw them laying. But as I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Didn't, now, the Lord said that they would, that he would put breath in them. And I don't know, but. Maybe Ezekiel's feeling like I am right now and is, and is like, well, I did what he said. I preached what he told me to preach. But now they, I just have a bunch of corpses laying all over the place. I've got, I mean, there is improvement. We've got people and we have, we have bags for the air. <laughs> but we don't, they don't have breath in them. There was no breath in them then the Bible says in verse 9 then he said unto me prophesy unto the, unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded me he was like I just got my nose together and I stood there again Last time it worked, so I'm going to do it again. And he got up and he preached. And the Bible says, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Amen. I'm telling you today, amen, that a second wind, amen, blew through that valley one more time and put breath into those empty lungs. Amen. They came back to life because of the preached Word of God. It looked like there was no hope. It looked like, uh, amen, they were running without a destination, without a, a finish line. It looked like, in fact, it looked like they were never going to make it to the finish line. They were done. I'm telling you, it's as hopeless as it gets. Amen. But even in the situation like this, even in, a, in, in this vastly, depressing situation this compounded depressing situation by by sheer numbers of people who all had no hope god said not a problem i'm going to give them a second wind amen you can begin to play on the day of pentecost there was a gust of wind that blew upon the apostolics. I talked about them as in my opening remarks. I mean, there was a group of men that had come together in a place 
Amen. And they were waiting for what Jesus said would be the promise of the Father. And as they waited, that gust of wind ushered a breath of fresh air into all those who were running, ready to run. Amen. When it was needed most, we just lost Jesus. We, we just lost our direction. We just lost. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Just go get on the track. Just start running. I'm going to send my promise. I'm going to send, amen, this gift from God. Amen. There was men all around. And, and it's in college, in Bible college, I, um, Elder Stan Short pointed this out to me, and it blew my mind. But it's amazing if you just count the number of, um, and I don't mean to get nerdy or whatever, but uh, if you just count the number of cults that existed at the time when the New Testament church was founded, it's incomparably different. There's so many different religions and ideas and philosophies that was swirling around at that time. And my point to say that is that that all these other men around, there was just 120 in this room, but all these other men around and they were being distracted by all these other ideas and pagan religions and, and Greek philosophy. Amen. But right in the middle of all of that, kind of like today, there's so many ideas, so many kinds of things. But listen, friend, I'm not, I'm not looking for another philosophy. I'm not looking for another man's opinion. All I care about is in between these two leather covers. All I care about is what God has to say. And for those of us who are concerned about that, for those of us who love His appearing, who love His word, who love His message, amen, who would receive and obey His message, amen, He would send, amen, a much a, a second wind, amen, for the apostles in the book of Acts, amen, the Bible says that He sent a rushing mighty wind. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, amen, we could all stand together. They were all with one accord in one place, much like we are in this place tonight. And suddenly, oh, is anybody going to help me tonight? Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, just like in that valley for Ezekiel. Amen. There began, this, there's this shaking, this noise. Amen. That began to shudder through that valley. Amen. But just like that, amen, today, amen, as we begin to see, as we begin to lift our voices in worship, maybe the, the power, maybe the rushing mighty wind of God would blow through this house. Why don't we all talk to the Lord just for a moment? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's available for you tonight. Acts chapter 2, verse 2 says, Amen. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. He'll give you that breath of fresh air that you're looking for. He'll give you the answer that you're hoping for. He'll give you a second wind. Amen.